You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I am joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. We are now in one of my absolute favorite months of the year, October. Yes, yes, I love October too. Time of cooler weather, leaves changing, pumpkins, ghosts, goblins, and SEC football. What more could you want in life? Right, right, I couldn't agree more. And uh, another not-so-publicized event. Uh, Danny, did you know that October is also Financial Planning Month? Huh, I, I did not. And I guess it's pretty fitting that it's in October since many are more frightened about looking at their financial picture than watching any film that Michael Myers stars in, right? (laughs) So true. Unfortunately, that is the case for so many. To help make October not so spooky, we're going to go over some financial basics that can make this month less trick and more treat. I like it. Yes. Hopefully, it's uh, I get some Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are, are those your favorite? Those are always my favorite. <gasps> Mine too. Yes. You made sure whatever house that was at every year, you went back to that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Passed over the people that gave out the apples. Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So to start with, we're just going to go over a basic overview of each of these topics. So we have or will be devoting entire episodes of our show to many of these, but you can think of this episode as like the Cliff Notes version of each. And I think I may have just dated myself. Do they even use Cliff Notes anymore? Yeah, I don't know, because that's what I always use. Did you use those? Okay. Yeah. yeah so maybe, now, yeah. maybe now it's just like Google or like... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good topic. We should do a little research. <laughs> Dig on. into that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've referred to the first basic as the B word, which is the budget. Right, not that one. I'm... Right, right. Pretty much every financial decision you will make stems from your budget. In simple terms, budgeting is deciding how you will allocate your money. Right. And, uh, you know, I've talked about it before that I was a teacher for 18 years before joining Mentoro, and I was actually a lot younger and braver, and I taught kindergarten. And um, it was at that time that I realized that money is a lot like a five-year-old. So (laughs) in my kindergarten class at the time, I had 24 students. So can you imagine if I just let them walk in and I gave them no direction? After about five minutes, my room would be trashed. The same thing I have found holds true with dollars. If we do not give it direction, we don't tell our money how to behave, it tends to act like a five-year-old. What an analogy. That's so true. So there are numerous ways to budget. The 50-30-20 budget, where 50% goes to needs, 30% to wants, and 20% to savings and debt. There's also a zero-based budget, and then using good old-fashioned envelopes. Right. There's so many different ways that you can budget, but to make it easier, Mentoro, here at Mentoro, we have a great tool in our portal that can take the guesswork out. So go to mymentor.com to learn more. Okay, so since we discussed the B word, we will go ahead and get the D word. Oh, out of the it's way. like we are in kindergarten, right? We're discussing <laughs> all these words. <laughs> yes, Danny, what does the D stand for? Uh, debt. Debt. De- That's it. There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, debt is a huge part of our lives. In fact, according to a recent study, 
the average American carries over $92,000 in consumer debt. Oof. Yeah. That's a lot. So to be clear on that, consumer debt includes things like credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, and student loans. Right. And, and you know, obviously with the mortgage, that 92000 is a lot. So mortgage, you know, for most of us takes up a lot of that. Same with student loans. But it's still, it just shows that, you know, we, we like debt as a society. We do take it on. It's important to fully understand each debt that you have. So you should know the following for each of these debts. The total balance, the interest rate, the minimum monthly payment, and the estimated payoff date. Once you understand each of your debts, you can begin attacking it by using the debt avalanche or debt snowball method. Right. And so so with the debt avalanche, we're focusing on interest rates. So that's the one where we list our debts in order from highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate. And this is the most mathematically sound way of paying off your debt. Because obviously, if you're paying a high interest rate on something and you pay that off first, you're going to save more money over time. But... We all know that most of us get into trouble financially because of behavior, right? The math is easy. It's fourth grade math. It's not difficult, but the behavior is what does it. And that is where the debt snowball comes into play. So with the debt snowball, and once again, we discuss this more in detail in other episodes, but debt snowball, just a quick and dirty version is you list your debts in order from the least amount owed to the greatest amount. You pay them off just like that. So you attack the one that you owe the least amount first on. Once that's paid off, you take the money you've been applying on that one, put it on the next debt. Bam, you pay that off and you just keep going. And the reason this works so well is a lot of us, we, the behavior, we'll take it again. It's like, hey, I can do this. It's like you know, going on a diet. You lose two pounds and you lose three pounds and you lose two pounds. You're like, you're motivated. You want to keep going. So for many people, the debt snowball works really well. But once again, you know, whatever approach works best for you, we're okay with that. Yeah, it's so true. It's interesting. I was reading an article about this, and there's a lot of different opinion mm -hmm. between probably um, maybe academic professors and economists versus some kind of financial gurus in mm -hmm. the industry. But to your point, it all goes to are you more you know, mathematically minded and kind of very methodical? Are you more lifestyle, behavioral, psychologically based? Mm -hmm. So right. I think to your point, you have to pick the one that works best for sure. you. Sure. And that's kind of, you know, what we all are about here at Mentoro. It's not a one size fits all in all the things that we discuss. It's like whatever works best for you. We're not going to say, okay, that's the right way. That's the wrong way. But we have found that many people do well with the debt snowball because of the behavioral finance aspect of it. Sure. So another financial basic to focus on is your net worth. So many tend to overlook this, but your net worth is probably, I think it's probably the most important part of your financial picture. Yes, yeah, so to calculate your net worth, start by adding up all your assets. These include money in your bank and investment accounts, physical assets like your house. So from there, you then add up all your debts. You would subtract your debts from your assets and then you get your total net worth. Yeah, pretty basic. What you own, subtract what you owe, and that's how much you have. And hopefully it's in the positive, right? If not, then we got some work to do. But it's important to calculate your net worth at least once a year to make sure you are making progress on your financial wellness journey. And that really does show the true uh, of where you are financially, because you may have $20,000 of debt, but if you have $100,000 in a retirement account, okay, you're plus $80,000, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to get rid of that debt, but it is definitely a good picture of exactly where you stand financially. 
I agree. I think a lot of people lose sight of that and they think, oh, net worth is something that I have to worry about when I'm going to retire or, you know, way down the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, When in reality, you can use that as kind of something to set goals to say, by this point, I want to have a net worth of X. Right. And that way it helps you keep things like your debt and your budget and all these things that we've talked about thus far top of mind. Sure. And once again, kind of going back to that behavioral finance, to me, it kind of gives you that more incentive because most of us are homeowners right now, many people listening. So even right now in times where property has gone up, your net worth probably has increased. So you don't have to beat yourself up so much. And I just want you to, you know, stay positive and be like, yes, we're making progress and we want to keep attacking it. Very good point. So that was a great start. Coming up after the break, three more financial basics. Welcome back. Since October is Financial Planning Month, we have been going over some financial basics. We've covered budget, debt, and net worth. So up next, the fun one, credit. (laughs) Right. Um, So credit refers to your ability to borrow money. However, when people discuss credit, they're often referring to their credit score. Mm -hmm. So your credit score is that three-digit number. It ranges from between 300 and 850. It is basically like a snapshot of how well you handle your debt. Right. And here is what these scores mean. So if you have a credit score between 300 and 579, that's very poor, right? That's not good at all. So we definitely have to improve that. 580 to 669 is considered fair. 670 to 739 is good. 740 through 799 is very good. And then 800 to 850 is exceptional. Your credit score is one of the most important numbers when it comes to your finances. Someone may take a look at it anytime you apply for a loan or a credit card, maybe even when you rent an apartment, or even sometimes when you apply for a job. Right. Um, it's just one of those things. A lot of times we do, you know, oh, FICO, we got to focus on it. And we've done an episode on it, and you need to worry about your credit score. But I also, you know, it's not one of those things that we're we're focused completely on that alone. Once again, going back to net worth, that to me is more important, a a better overall view of what your financial picture looks like than a credit score, because I've known people that really have no money in the bank and they have really good credit scores. So, but you do have to have a, you know, a good credit score is going to help you in life. And especially if you're younger, because if you have a poor credit score, it can result in you being denied a loan, an apartment, or even a job. So a good score can help you save thousands of dollars over your lifetime. I think that's really poignant what you just said in comparing the credit score to your net worth. And it's kind of that age old balance and moderation, right? And and we say it all the time about finding what works for you. But I think using those two numbers, that's a numerical way to kind of set a barometer for yourself, yes. Yes. making sure that one doesn't get too low or too high or, or whatever it is so that you can meet the goals that you have. Right. And we did a whole episode on credit scores. And if you remember, it was like a lot of your credit scores based on debt mm-hmm. of how much you owe. So hopefully as you get older and you pay off debt, your credit score may go down a little bit. But at that point in life, you may not need loans because hopefully you have money in the bank and you can buy the things outright, you know, besides the mortgage. But a lot of times with cars and things like that, if you have it saved, really doesn't matter what your credit score is at that point because you're not taking on more debt. So it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. So but for many people just starting off, a credit score is a very important three-digit number because it can save you thousands of dollars uh, over the long haul. That is very, very true. 
So the next financial basic should not surprise you. It's saving. Unfortunately, many are not doing a very good job at this. In fact, data shows that just 39% of Americans could not pay for a $1,000 emergency without taking on debt. Yeah, that's uh, oof, that's not good. Um, so the first savings priority you should have is an emergency fund. So we recommend three to six months of living expenses. So basically living expenses like Let's just say, God forbid, you lost your job. You know, this is bare bones. Like, what, what, how much would you need to get by for that month? And whatever that number is, we want at least three to six months of living expenses set aside. In addition, you could save for specific financial goals, like a down payment on a house or maybe next year's vacation. I think the reason that many have trouble saving is because there's no magic pill or formula to do so. You just kind of have to do it. Yeah. I mean, like the old Nike slogan, right? You just, you just have to do it. It's not, it's, you're not going to be the talk of the cocktail party. Oh yeah. I got my money in a savings account earning 0.11 for whatever it may be. No, that's not exciting. That's not as fun as frat boy gambling, right? right. Or in the Robin Hood ads. But it's so important there because things are going to happen and then you have savings to draw from. So just very, very important to focus on. It's true. I think, too, um, there's no instant gratification with it. You're having to really challenge this um, innate sense of wanting to be myopic. And so you have to actually prepare for something down the road that may or may not happen. And that's really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. It is. And especially a lot of times when we do talk about, you know, I, I just mentioned three to six months of living expenses. So if you lose your job, that's something bad. Like we don't like to think of bad things happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times too, with the savings account, and we'll discuss, we can save for fun things too, but a lot of times it's there for stuff that we really don't, you know, like to think about the AC going out tires on a car, et cetera, et cetera, right? Who wants to think about, oh yeah, I went to the dentist and I had to pay a thousand dollars. You know, that's right. not fun to think about, but yet it happens. And savings, having that money set aside is gonna prevent you from having to pay interest on it and it's even gonna cost you more. Yeah, speaking of scary, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so next up is investing. So investing is important because most of us cannot just save enough in a bank account to retire. We need the magic of compound interest to help us reach our retirement goals. When it comes to investing, there are a few terms that we all should know. The first is asset allocation. This is how you divide your assets across all of your investments. Next is time horizon, which is the number of years before you expect to need the money that you're investing. Third is diversification. And this means that you would be spreading your money across various different investments. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it's risk tolerance. This is your willingness to lose money with your investment. Right. So these are just general terms that we do have to keep in mind. And remember, like, you know, when we talk about a time horizon, we talk about savings in an episode we've done, we did short term and long term savings. So investing is money that you want at least five years down the road, because we don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. So that would be when you get close to retirement, that's the time horizon shorter. So you want to be secure right? We don't want it as risk exposed. Um, same with like diversification. We've talked about like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So we need to be diversified. So just some general terms that, you know, we should know when it comes to investing. So there is a lot more involved when we discuss investing, but those were just some great primers. We have discussed six financial basics most of us should revisit. Coming up after the break, three more to take a look at.
Welcome back. So far, we've taken a look at six financial basics we should review. So I think you hinted at maybe we have three more. We do. We do. Um, so one of them is homeownership. Uh, homeownership is a common goal that many have. So if you are in the market for a house, here are some things to keep in mind. First off, and this is probably the most important in my mind, only buy what you can afford. A general rule of thumb is your housing cost should not exceed more than 30% of your monthly income. As most of us have read, lenders don't go with this and often approve borrowers for much more than that. Right. And, and, you know, that is a good rule of thumb, right? That 30%. But let's say you're someone that has no debt except your mortgage. You may be able to exceed that a little bit. So once again, you have to know yourself. But if you're someone that has two car payments, student loan debt, credit card debt, you may have to go less than that. So it kind of just depends on where your personal situation is. But I think you're so correct is that to me, that is very important when buying a home because it is so easy when you do that home buying process to fall in love with the house and you're thinking, oh, it's only like 25, 30,000 above what we're thinking. We can easily make those payments work. And kind of when we rewind back to 07 through 09, the housing market crisis, a lot of people did that. They overextended themselves. And then, you know, unfortunately, many people there then at that time got arms. And then when that adjustable rate mortgage went up a little bit, their mortgage payment even went up 100, 150 bucks a month, but they couldn't afford it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we went back to earlier, we talked about how many people couldn't come up with, you know, $1,000 if an emergency happened. So many people do that and they, you know, they kind of get, oh boy, I can afford it. And they don't really think about the long-term implications of, uh, you know, buying that house. Sure. Sure. And it, it's not like you can take it back and be like, um, I'm sorry, I'd like to give this back and get my money back. Right. <laughs> you know, it's this is a long term commitment. Right. So you right. got to think too, not just about what you can afford today, but what you can afford down the road, say, after you expand your family or after, right. you know, certain experiences that happen in Definitely. life. Definitely. Yeah. That's a great point to keep in mind that, yeah, many people think, okay, you know, or even with myself now with our home. So my daughter just went to college. So, okay, that's college expenses, but we bought this house four years ago. But kind of had that in mind. Okay. So that's, yes, to your point, we don't want to overextend ourselves or even, you know, really extend ourselves because other things are going to happen in life. So true. Also, you need to make sure that you budget for homeowners insurance, taxes, home repairs, and uh, improvements. These can be so much more expensive than you realize. I'd also say, you know, I know so many people who say, oh, I want to buy this big house. And they imagine their family there, but then they get in there and they can't fill half the rooms for a couple of years because they didn't think about how much furniture and Mm -hmm. stuff like that cost to fill the house. So, right. Yeah, uh, it's so true. And, you know, maintaining a home can be expensive and you may want to consider saving about 1% of your home's value every year for maintenance and repairs, right? That could even be one of those separate side accounts that you just kind of have earmarked. In addition to your emergency fund, it's best to keep this money once again in a separate fund so you can afford these expenses when they do arise. So it's kind of like if you earmark it for home maintenance and then something goes wrong, you need to replace the windows, carpet, whatever it may be, that money is already sitting there set aside, expecting something will have to be replaced in the house. Mm-hmm. So up next are taxes. These might be the thing that many dread the most. Obviously, you can tell that we don't like them. Uh, But that's, I would say, especially if you've ever owed the IRS money after doing a tax return. But these are so, so important to understand. 
Yeah, I got that T-shirt last year, owing the IRS money. Um, so you don't have to be a tax expert, but it is important to understand how much you pay in taxes each year and what deductions you might be able to claim. So I actually used to do my own taxes. This is years ago, and it would take me hours. I mean, and that was just both of us were teachers, so it was very simple. So now that I have a side gig as an author and Tracy has her own canvas painting business, we have a CPA um, you know, that we really trust that kind of handles these things. And I'm sure, in your case too, being the president of a company, you, yes, it's a lot more complicated than just you know a, a standard. Some people have, you know, if you're pretty basic, you can do it. But to me, it's well worth uh, <laughs> the price to pay to let someone do it, an expert do it for me. Oh, for sure. When I was just working in marketing before this, I still had a CPA mostly because I thought, uh, I don't really trust myself to be a CPA right. <laughs> or pretend to be a CPA. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not get myself in trouble. So it was kind of like a layer of insurance for me to make sure that it was right to begin with. So yeah. a couple hundred bucks is better than jail time, right? Uh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> So the final financial basic we will take a look at is insurance. Many people don't really think about how important insurance is until something really bad happens. Yeah. Uh, So in general, basic terms, insurance transfers risks from you to an insurance company. So you pay the company a monthly premium or sometimes, you know, every six months with car insurance or yearly. And if something happens, they insure you and they pay for those expenses. Some types of insurance uh, that most of us should include are health insurance, homeowners or renters insurance, auto insurance, life insurance, and then disability insurance. Right. And there's other types too, depending on your situation. And we had an entire episode devoted to insurance and all the different things that you could protect. But just look at yourself. Know your, you know, what you're responsible for, those things that you need to protect, and make sure you have the proper protection in place. Now, that wasn't too scary, was it? No, not too bad. Okay. So, um, you know, while we could dig a lot deeper into each of these financial basics, hopefully this was a starting point for you. And once again, October is financial planning month. So maybe just a good time to kind of take a look at some of those, you know, primers and those basics of these topics that we discussed. And then if you need to get more in depth, then of course, you know, reach out to us. We have plenty of things that we offer that kind of gets into these a little more in the nitty gritty, but just kind of an overall basic of things just to kind of focus on right now and, and kind of revisit your financial plan. Absolutely. You can refer back to this episode as you continue to grow and learn, right? Yes. So Danny, thanks so much for chatting and thank you all for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. Run with the bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.